is JudoCast. We go to the mat and beyond with some of the most prominent minds in judo. Please welcome your host, a two-time Pan American champion, entrepreneur, and judo enthusiast, Chuck Jefferson. Today's episode of JudoCast is a monologue episode where I'm going to discuss some of the hot topics and the current affairs in today's judo world. I will talk about several of the positive things that COVID has brought to our world during this time. We will talk about the American judo development model and some of the other online portals that we've seen, including the JFlow Online Academy and the newly announced website of usajudo.com, which is a venture by Jimmy Pedro and Travis Stevens. I will tie things up at the end, giving a shout out to some of the new entrepreneurs American judo has. We're going to talk about the importance of professional judo clubs and the role that they will play in the growth of judo here in the United States. As an athlete, I have had the privilege and the opportunity to represent my country on the tatami in more than 30 countries around the world. I have always done my best to represent myself with pride and respect, knowing that in some small way, no matter where I am, I am a representative of our great nation. Without the people who have sacrificed their lives for our nation, I know that those opportunities would have never existed. In the words of Harry S. Truman, our debt to the heroic men and the valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. America will never forget their sacrifices. Today is Veterans Day here in the United States, and I would like to thank all of those who have served this great country. Hello, everyone, and welcome to JudoCast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to be going solo for the first time. So, I've had a great fortune over the last three or four months to interview some amazing guests, and I hope you've all been enjoying these conversations. It's always a breath of fresh air to hear the judo success stories from people in and around our community. The more I explore some of these judoka from the past, I'm finding there's a lot of great stories, a lot of people who in their own words correlate a lot of their success with their earlier experiences in judo. Blood, sweat, and tears on the mat that helped drive them to success in other areas of life after their competition days were done. From a marketing standpoint, I don't think we see much of this when it comes from our national federations. I mean, we, we haven't seen too much effort to follow judo players beyond their competition days, especially if they happen to pursue ambitions and careers that are unrelated to judo. As far as judo clubs... I think that we have this idea that we're trying to promote a lifelong approach to the benefits and the values that judo provides. So it seems that there could be a lot more that we can do as a community to reach out and connect with the people that have benefited greatly from some of the things that they learned on the mat. So with that being said, I think there are some clubs that do a fabulous job of marketing and promoting the long-term benefits of judo and how it can have a positive impact on your life after judo. But I think all of us can improve on the articulation of the message that will allow us to provide more real-life experiences and lessons that can motivate the younger generations. So 
although I think Judocast is going to evolve and go different directions at times, that was the original intention of this Judocast is to use the platform for just that, you know, to show the stories of all the success that people are having after Judo. And based on a lot of the feedback that I've been getting, it seems that people are enjoying some of these conversations. And so if you know somebody in the judo world that has an interesting story, or if you know someone that would make a good guest on the podcast, or if you think you would make a good guest on the podcast, please reach out to me anytime. So I wanted to talk a little bit about several of the exciting things going on in the world of judo here and in the world of medicine, I guess. To no surprise to all of us, the judo world has been knocked down by COVID. We're about nine months into our judo lockdowns here in California. And as predicted by many of the experts, the cases are sharply rising in Europe as well as the United States as we make our way into the colder months. So that's the bad news. But when it comes to judo getting back to normal, when is that going to be? Our hope in the near term, I think, is that there's some sort of therapeutic or maybe a vaccine that experts are actually expecting soon. In fact, as of today, November 9th, uh, during the recording of this, there was some positive news that came out on the vaccine progress. It looks like Pfizer announced that it has a vaccine that was coming in with a 90% effective rate in its stage three testing, I believe. Now I'm going to leave this up to the experts to explain what that actually means, But it seems like very good news based on the reactions that I'm seeing. The news catapulted the U.S. stock market on Monday morning, and there's a lot of optimism that we haven't seen in the market for some time. So, And this is including the airline stocks, which I think are a good correlation because if the airline stocks are excited and the travel industry is happy, I think that judo as a whole is going to find reasons to be happy as well. And I've seen some so-called experts that are estimating that they could have this vaccine distributed to everyone in the United States by sometime in late March or early April. So again, one step at a time, I think that we've learned in recent times that news changes fast. So we're going to see how things play out. But I think there's some great news and reason to remain hopeful and optimistic that this is going to lead to judo being back to normal once this vaccine is out to the masses. I think until the vaccine gets out to the masses, many of us around the world are going to be in a bit of a stalemate when it comes to real judo training with partners, the kind that most of us are missing in a big way. So a few weeks ago, the internet was buzzing. Our social media feeds, I think, were probably very similar. And the theme was, hey, judo is back. And it was. And um, it's progress. It gives us something to be hopeful, but the IJF pulled off its first major event in Budapest in over half a year, and it seems like it was a big success. Now, let's not kid ourselves. Judo, for the most of us, is not really back. It's kind of like the NBA or the NFL. You know, games are happening at the highest level, but local judo in most parts of the world is really not back yet. It's super interesting to see how everyone handles it all over the world, even here within California, where the laws vary depending on the county you live in. Just to give you an idea for those international folks, but California has a population of about 40 million people, and we have 58 different counties. And the state of California has general guidelines, but the counties have flexibility on how they're going to implement and govern that guidance. So we have a little bit of everything happening. There's, of course, the outlaw judo clubs that never stop training. There's some people that are doing full judo training, but they wear a mask. 
Some people are doing indoor, some people are doing outdoor, some contact, some no contact. I happen to be in a county that's very strict right now. So indoor judo with a partner, it's not happening. So today's news of a vaccine and the progress was super good to hear. So with all this negative news that we've been inundated with over the last half year, I wanted to focus on some of the positive things that are happening and some of the positive things that have happened in the judo world since COVID. And there has been some great things happening. As far as reopening, I think all sports are pretty much the same. There's going to be a trickle down, starting with pro sports, where there's a tremendous amount of money at stake, followed by collegiate athletics here in the United States. The more money at stake, the more risk people are willing to accept. That's just how it's going to work. And as I mentioned, with the IGF resuming its tour, judo is back at the highest level. So all in all, it seemed like the Grand Slam in Hungary was a huge success. Um, let's hope that they can maintain that momentum coming into the upcoming Continental Championships in the coming weeks. The qualifications for the Olympics are going to be interesting as we really don't know how many qualifying events are actually going to take place. It looks like the European Championships are coming up in just about two weeks, and that's going to take place in the Czech Republic which happens to be a place where the COVID numbers are really spiking right now. So that's not good. Um, I think this is going to lead to some nations choosing not to take part. It looks like the same weekend as the European Championships, the American delegation will be headed to Guadalajara, Mexico for the Pan American Championships. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who shows up. I think because of the recent spike in COVID cases, some countries and maybe some individual athletes are going to choose not to attend. I know some athletes don't really need the points, and that may be the deciding factor when people are weighing the risk of whether they're going to participate or not. I know many of the countries have laws and regulations that are going to require them to quarantine when they get back home, so that's something that people are going to have to take into consideration. So I'm sure everyone's going to do their own risk evaluation and my guess is the only ones that are going to choose to stay home are the higher-ranked athletes that already have a secure spot for Tokyo. So I think it could end up to be a blessing in disguise for some of the lower-ranked athletes that are going to get a better shot at some of the you know big continental points. And at the end of the day, we don't really know how many events are going to take place. So these continental points are huge. And it doesn't seem like most of the major events in Europe that are normally scheduled in the early part of the year have actually been confirmed. So I think we're still kind of on a waiting game when it comes to that, when we're talking about like Paris and, you know, Germany, those events that normally take place in, in February. So we'll see if the IGF confirms those events shortly. It's going to be interesting to see how things pan out, not only with the qualifications, but with the Olympics next year in general. I'm sure that COVID has obviously disrupted all of us and it's got some negative impacts most likely on you know the older athletes people that have uh, are at the end of their careers or the later parts of their careers and then for others you know maybe this break this covid break is going to be perfect it's going to help them with their peak just in time for 2021 and 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 it's going to be fun to see which athletes come in strong next summer and that's part of what makes the Olympics so special. It's an event that takes place only every four years. So hitting your peak at the right time, by luck or by design, it's going to make all the difference in the world. And we're all excited to see what happens next year, 2021 in Tokyo. So far as American judo, there's been a lot of interesting things going on, some of which are extremely positive for our sport. And 
I'm sure a lot of you guys have spent the last half year pondering not only the short-term impact, but the long-term impact that COVID's going to have on your business. And the obvious answer is that judo is getting squashed by COVID. But there's a lot of different ways that we can look at things. COVID has forced some big creativity into all of us. We thought it was going to be impossible to teach judo online, but some senseis that have desire and passion and maybe a little bit of fear have actually gotten pretty good at it. Everyone in nearly every business has had to make some sort of pivot, unless you're in a tech-specific business where you kind of landed on a gold mine back in March. Most of us weren't that fortunate. For me personally, my local economy is, it's not really fully open, but the truth is, it seems hard to find people who are hurt. You know, other than those who have maybe worked at a gym, a restaurant, or a bar, or maybe owned one of those establishments, within 10 miles of my dojo here in the Silicon Valley of California, there's the headquarters for some of the largest tech companies in the world, including Apple, Google, Netflix, eBay, PayPal, just to name a few. So, so for the most part, everyone in and around my community doesn't seem to be economically impacted too bad. You know, people in high tech are actually thriving right now. I've always been a uh, close observer or maybe even a casual student of business and economics. And it's been intriguing to see some of the businesses that have thrived during COVID. It's super obvious why big tech is booming, but oftentimes the connection of why some businesses thrive isn't super obvious if you're not directly connected to those industries. You're all aware of the booming home, fitness, and exercise industry because you're, as a judoka, you're loosely connected to it. But you're even more aware if you've tried to purchase a pair of dumbbells over the last six months. I've seen people getting 3 to $4 a pound on the Facebook marketplace. And if you do the math, you'll realize that's, that's pretty expensive for some dumbbells. Since a lot of you guys are fortunate enough to be home working in your pajamas, you may not be aware of some of the markets that are absolutely booming. It's, it's super fun to look at some of the odd ones that you wouldn't think about. The beauty market is booming. People have more time on their hands and they're spending more time taking care of their skin, doing skin rituals and home treatments. And, and as far as like when places open up, people are excited to get back to get their hair cut and work on their appearance. It's pretty fascinating. But another one that I never would have guessed was that COVID brought back big success to dairy farmers. Yeah, that's that's right. A majority of milk, I guess, is consumed at home as opposed to in restaurants where most of us are spending most of our time at home these days. So apparently we're at home where the kids are guzzling down lots of milk and adults, it sounds like, could be in the other room supporting a booming alcohol market. Hopefully you guys are more interested in the health and fitness market. I think that's going to be better for your future. <laughs> Now, in the judo world, it's been a great pleasure to see some of the businesses in our own community that have been thriving and maybe even received a good push from COVID. One of those businesses that you've all heard of at this point is Judo Fanatics. Uh, 2016 Olympic silver medalist Travis Stevens seems to be working super hard, doing lots of videos and booking some of the best judo talent from all over the world. Now, prior to COVID, it was pretty much a common thought that you can't learn judo on the internet. And I think everyone has a slightly different opinion on this now. Not to say that learning judo online is great, but there's definitely some benefits and clearly you can learn a lot by watching video. I think it's just great to see that these judo businesses are thriving and it's perfectly logical since we've all switched some portion of our business to online learning. 
We also see Neil Adams doing a fabulous job running regular workshops and doing his part to promote judo to the best of his capabilities, all while staying at home. As Europe gets hit with lockdowns for a second time, there's no crying from the Adams family. Let's take full advantage of Lockdown 2.0 with an in-depth study of Tayo Tosh at EffectiveJudo.com. So judo coaches and judo parents have always had some concern about life after sport, and it's super good to see that from our 2016 Olympians, at least the ones that retired and walked away from judo after Rio, that they're all faring very well in retirement. You know, Travis has obviously seen a lot of success with his partnership with judo fanatics. Marty Malloy, who is coaching over at San Jose State University, is doing super well in her digital media career. And of course, you know, Kayla Harrison has been become somewhat of a celebrity in the MMA world. And I think it looks like she just made an announcement about another fight that she's going to have in about 10 days from now. So it's uh, it's great to see that uh, all of our, you know, recently retired judoka are doing well for themselves. Anyone who's poured their heart, soul and body into a full time judo career knows it's not easy to move on and find goals. At least it's hard to find goals that are as lofty as the previous one. You know, finding goals is just one piece of the pie. Trying to chase those with the same energy and enthusiasm, it's never quite as easy. So it's great to see that these people are, are, are doing well outside of judo. We also saw the launch of the J-Flow Academy by my friend Justin Flores. Not to be confused with uh, Flow Grappling. This is the original Flow, Justin Flores, that is. His uh, online grappling academy is like a comprehensive training program for grapplers of all kinds with judo, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. From what I've seen, these videos are done extremely well with lots of meticulous work that went into the production side. And then as far as technique, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better technician than Justin, someone that's has a true understanding and a high-level background in judo and wrestling. And he's recently received a black belt in jujitsu as well. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, take a look at the J-Flow Academy. Uh, It comes highly recommended. So the good news is that judo people are getting creative and putting out some really good content for the community. And I think it's a blessing in disguise for the community at large. Since all of us are at home looking for ways to alleviate our desires to get back on the mat and just throw someone. So the next topic I wanted to discuss is the American Judo Development Model. The timing of its release probably couldn't have come at a worse time. I actually feel a little bit sad and a little bit concerned about how little conversation there seems to be about this project. You know, many things are going to change when we get back on the mat. So hopefully, you know, people are going to take a bigger look at this, you know, once we get back to judo. But there was obviously a considerable amount of time, you know, put into this project. And I'm just not so sure that the impact is going to be as big as the developers were hoping for. You know, I commend USA Judo along with the JA and the JF for coming together to get this project going. If anything, it was a great practice on how the three organizations can collaborate to get things done. You know, this development model has been a long time coming. I think it was back in 2006. I was actually brought out to Colorado Springs by USA Judo to take part in an onboarding process as an advisor for the newly hired CEO, Jose Rodriguez. One of the things that I advised him on back in that meeting was the need for a long-term development model. At that time, I don't think I knew much about them, but I'd looked over a few different plans from other countries, and it seemed pretty obvious at that time that USA Judo needed to develop this type of plan. 
Needless to say, USA Judo never moved forward with the idea. And here we are now, what, 12, 13 years later, and the project has finally come to fruition. Spearheaded by USA Judo, the USOC, Keith Bryant, they came up with the American Judo Development Model, which was a collaboration of USA Judo, USJF, and the USJA. So the fact that they made this happen is definitely a step in the right direction. So earlier this year, I was actually asked by USA Judo to participate in a survey that was followed up with an extensive phone interview with Keith. Uh, I spoke to Keith for over an hour, answering all kinds of detailed questions, everything from the number of classes I teach every week at my dojo to the coach to student ratios. We talked about expenses, revenue, retention tactics, and, and all kinds of other things. So I gave my opinion on a lot of things that could be of big value to any judo club. Um, this development model, it's a huge step in the right direction, but it's going to require a lot more investment. In fact, it's going to require a lot more. If you go through the model and you read the FAQ, you're probably going to say, wow, like this sounds great. The document does a great job of answering the why, something that we all need to think about in our dojos. And it sets up the framework that includes the core principles of the program. But the big question will eventually come up is how will I use this in my dojo? And I think this is an answer that nobody really knows yet. So right now it's only a document. And in order for it to become alive, it needs to be implemented. And that's going to require, like I said, a lot more work and a significant amount of investment. Now, I haven't gone through this document with a fine comb, but it's written well and it's well thought out. Parts of it are kind of like a template from the USOC, kind of a one size fits all sports kind of thing. Um, there's lots of great buzzwords and uses of well-known teaching concepts and strategies from outside of the judo world. Now, this is all great, but the unanswered question, like I said, is going to be the implementation of this model. And I guess that's part of the problem. It's really just a model. It's not a program or a curriculum that some people may have been expecting. So in my opinion, I think the majority of judo clubs around the country probably won't be a good fit to implement this program. To do it right, it's going to take commitment, structure, change. I mean, change, change is going to be the hardest part. As you know, most of us already know what's best for our clubs. And I say that with just a hint of sarcasm. But there's bits and pieces of really good information throughout this document. So hopefully that will inspire coaches to self-educate and maybe seek education from private consultants or other experts inside and outside the judo world. The long-term development model currently lives on, I think it was a 12-page document that if it's implemented, it's going to need to be supported with hundreds of hours of education. So coaches that really want to serve their clubs and serve the judo community are going to have to take their education into their own hands. The long-term development model as it stands now will more than likely have very little impact on most clubs. At best right now, I think it can serve as a source of inspiration to take your dojo to the next level. But club owners are going to have to really dissect the model to see what parts of it will pertain to them and ask themselves you know, what their goals are within their own clubs. And really, I don't know that we should have such high expectations for a perfect document at, you know, what is really stage one of the process. I mean, the task of developing this model, it's extremely arduous and costly. And at the end of the day, the fees that you pay your national organization are pretty insignificant in the scope of things. So if you plan to use this, uh, AJDM, as they're calling it, um, you have to plan on investing a reasonable amount of time 
and self-education. You know, if you're willing to do that, I think this development plan can be a big help for a lot of people. And at the end of the day, like I said earlier, it is a first run. And Keith is fully aware of the program's shortcomings at this point. He knows there's a lot more work to be done. So I'm looking forward to see how it evolves in the coming months or really in the coming years. So this leads me to a more recent venture that was just announced by Jimmy Pedro and Travis Stevens. They're launching an online platform of their own called the American Judo System. Interestingly to many, the domain they were able to acquire is usajudo.com. So they're currently filming for this project. I'm not sure how far along they are. I know they have like a pre-launch that they announced this week. So time will tell how in-depth this becomes. You know, Knowing Jimmy and Travis, I'm sure they're going to go out and create a good product. They're planning to have a complete online community to help build judo and make some money at the same time. So the big question, is this a shot at USA Judo and the other governing bodies? You betcha. The game is changing, and uh, the governing bodies, to be honest with you, they've fallen behind. I realized this firsthand in 2012 when I opened my own dojo. There really was nowhere in the judo world to get advice on how to build my judo club. Some people would say that, that there was help out there, but what I was looking for was advice from someone who was doing what I was doing. Which of our governing bodies have experience for for-profit judo clubs that run classes five or six days a week? I'm sure there's a few people out there that are doing this. I mean, there's always been people in the judo world that have earned a living doing judo. People like the late Yoneska sensei from New Jersey. To my knowledge, he ran his dojo his whole life and, and earned a living doing so. And I'm sure there's others. But there's really nowhere to get guidance if you want to run a professional judo club. The NJBs have focused on belt promotions, running tournaments to earn money. But the services that they've offered are pretty minimal in the scope of things. So I asked earlier, are Jimmy and Travis going after USA Judo? Maybe they are. In fact, maybe they have much bigger goals that we're going to see in the coming years. Go back and read the last line of the Judo Inside interview. Maybe they feel the same way I do. The future of Judo looks quite different than it does today. If you want to see Judo grow and you don't feel that the governing bodies are on the right page, they're not pursuing the things that truly can make the sport grow, someone will eventually take action and create the things that the market is demanding. And that's what's happening here. This is what happens in a free market economy. For years, you know, people have questioned the value of memberships in our governing bodies. Because of the nonprofit nature of judo in the United States, you know, people have looked to governing bodies for advice and guidance, but they've been there really just a place for like-minded people all across the country to come together and share ideas and talk about judo. You know, and, and a lot of times it's talking about judo as a hobby. And, and for many years, that system worked. But the sheer size of judo in most parts of the country allowed judo clubs to exist with very little competition from other judo clubs. And every town kind of has its own judo club, keeping it pretty exclusive. Maybe that's enough to keep people happy and content. I have one friend that, that loves judo, but he sees no reason to try to grow judo, which is kind of interesting to me. But he likes it just the way it is. And deep down, I think there's a lot of people out there that feel that way. So these nonprofit community center or cultural center judo programs, they've built some really good programs over the years that, that cater to a pretty substantial number of people in their communities. And, and many of these clubs have super solid reputations that go back 50 plus years. The problem here is not that they're doing a bad job, but there's no growth in this model. And there really hasn't been any growth for the last 30 years. A few clubs do really well when it comes to like the numbers of students and you know, combine that with their rich history and their connection to the community. 
on top of very low rent, sometimes no rent, that allows clubs to function in a way that's not really sustainable if it weren't for the volunteer coaches and the subsidized rent. This model of nonprofit judo served its purpose. I think that it's it's been around for a long time. It allowed judo to grow and spread all over the country, if not all over the world in a similar fashion. But the numbers don't lie. You just have to look at the history over the last 30 years here in the United States. New clubs don't open up fast enough to replace those that are dying. And the market for judo is more competitive than it's ever been. And I'm not talking about with other judo clubs. I'm talking about with other activities, and maybe more specifically with the rise in the popularity of other martial arts over the last 30 years. Kids and families have lots of options. We know this. So if judo is ever to grow, in my opinion, the professional judo club is where the growth is going to come from. There's been no growth in the cultural center judo programs for the last 20 to 30 years, and there won't be any growth in the future. The best we can expect from the cultural center is maintenance, and we do need these programs to thrive. The YMCAs and the community center programs over the next 10 to 20 years are going to be in fierce competition with other martial arts like jiu-jitsu. If you just take a look at the numbers of black belts in the United States for jiu-jitsu, it's exploding. And in some metropolitan areas, there can be an argument made that there's already enough jiu-jitsu schools, that maybe it's reaching even a saturation point in some areas. Now, not all black belts are going to go on to open schools, especially as competition increases and they don't see it as a slam dunk business opportunity. Some percentage of those people are going to want to teach somewhere and they're going to be looking for ways to teach for fun in low or no startup cost situations. And it's going to be the local community centers. They're going to come to your local community center. They're going to ask to take the opposite nights as the judo club. That's just the start. So judo clubs will start to see more competition in those situations. With all this being said, As you've heard me talk about many times on my podcast, the professional judo club is the only way that judo is going to see growth in the United States. Of course, we've talked about it a thousand times, but if judo is to be put in the school system somehow, it could change the game. I don't doubt that, but I don't think it's a reality right now. Schools are actually cutting wrestling programs. Most schools are cutting back on physical education in general. This is actually a good thing for people who wanted to get involved in the judo business. Families are seeking activities for their kids in a big way. Free play is dead in many communities. A majority of kids are spending too much time online. The information will eventually trickle down to parents that physical education is extremely important and it's often overlooked. So I think and I hope that judo can help fill that void. The great news is that there's going to be a resurgence of judo energy in this country very soon. I truly believe that when COVID ends, there's going to be a resurgence of energy for judo. People are excited to get back on the mat. They're telling their friends. The phone calls are already coming in. So this pandemic has made people take a hard look at their health. And if marketed the right way, judo can be an activity that's seen by society as extremely important for the development of people in our community. And here's some even better news. People are starting to make moves. Um, when most of us around the country or around the world for that matter are at a stalemate with our dojos or operating gyms at low capacities due to, you know, doing fitness and shadow Uchikomi, there's others that are out there jumping in with two feet. We're, we're right smack dab in the middle of a pandemic and Skylar Cummings, who's only, I think about 20 years old, just opened up a new dojo in a strip mall in Plainfield, Connecticut. I actually grew up competing with her father, Chris. So I know that she's got a strong judo family to support her, but I just want to congratulate Skylar and wish her the best of luck with her dojo. I would like to say thank you to whoever it is that gave her the encouragement and possibly the know-how to do what she's doing. So 
it's super cool to see a, a youngster and we need more people like Skylar that are willing to go out there and do what they love to do. You know, so give her dojo a follow on Facebook. Uh, look her up. Her dojo is called Top Game Martial Arts in Plainfield. Best of luck to you, Skylar. And um, there's there's others out there. You know, I, I also want to uh, send my best wishes to Allah and Kristen Elderisi, who are just about to open up a new dojo in Philadelphia. Again, here we are in a pandemic and people who understand the value. And it, it might be a great time to find some really good prices on real estate. So I think this is their second location for the Elderisi family, but clearly they understand the business of judo and what it takes to run a successful club. And I'm sure there's others around the country, but I just wanted to recognize what I believe is the future for judo growth in the United States. So what excites me the most is seeing all the renewed energy and enthusiasm for the sport. When I see people building thriving businesses in the judo world, it means things are good for all of us. Maybe not at this specific moment in time, but when COVID passes, we will eventually get through COVID. Things are going to change. And for those of you that are prepping and those of you that are ready, it's going to turn into good times. When smart people start to look at opportunities in the judo world, it means we're headed in the right direction. Clearly, you know, people are starting to see there is a demand for judo, whether it be people looking for activities for their family or maybe they're searching online on how to do a throw. And some people may be training online for a while, while others are going to use online teaching as a supplement to their brick and mortar locations. But everyone who loves judo has become more creative over the last half year with how they can keep judo alive. Soon we're going to be looking for ways to thrive, not just survive. We're experiencing hard times in judo, but these are times that we're going to remember. And in the coming years, you're going to be inundated with online content that promises you the best of the best. People are going to tell you that their systems are the best. We can promise you more leads. We can promise you more students. People will sell you the latest and the greatest software to manage your dojo. I'll tell you right now, there is no system for judo that has proven success. There are many pockets of success and anomaly athletes that continue to pop up out of nowhere. Gordon Ramsay can give you the recipe, but the odds of you becoming or creating the world's next greatest chef is slim to none. This doesn't mean we shouldn't try. So we're starting to see a market built around the judo community. We have lots of people opening new businesses, and we need more businesses in the judo world. When people start to earn money in the judo world, whether it be from selling gis, mats, gear, content, online subscriptions, t-shirts, we're going to start to see more money circulating in our world. You're going to start to see more companies that are willing to sponsor an athlete or maybe sponsor your seminar or sponsor your tournament. The fact is, people are starting to see demand for judo, and it's a good thing for everyone. And we need to make sure that we continue this innovative drive so we can get through COVID, rebuild our clubs, and then shoot for the next level. By the time COVID is done, I mean, the truth be told that some clubs are going to be left in the dust. Some may decide to close up shop for good. Some of your students will never be back to judo. This break was a good chance for some people to realize that judo was not for them, but don't be discouraged. It's all part of the game. Focus on the people that are excited for judo and more will come. Surround yourself with positive people and good things will come to you and your dojo. Thank you for listening to JudoCast. Please remember to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. For show notes and additional content, visit JudoCast.com. That's J-U-D-O-Cast.com.